Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Sandeep Arora, Director of CodeWorks. CodeWorks is an agency which works to create digital strategies for a global range of clients. Sandeep, hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Leader means someone who is able to um, step away from the day-to-day and actually understand what the long-term direction is and make people follow that vision. And how would you characterize your personal leadership stra- uh, strategy? Um, I, I reckon, I believe it would be um, to present a, a profile that others want to follow. So, so rather than uh, insisting people follow um, me because I am the leader, mm-hmm. um, it, it's perhaps doing things in a way that I want others to do. So asking people to follow in the way that I, I things that I do myself, if that makes sense. So leading by example. Leading by example, is much easier way of saying it. Now, if we were to go back to an earlier point in your career, uh, at the very beginning, was there a particular influence on you that created the leader that sits before me today? Um, various things. I think, you know, the various people that, that you have in your life obviously influence you. Um, I've spent a long time in, in, in corporate. Um, so I've spent 20 odd years uh, in accountancy and banking. Um and you get exposed to lots of different skill sets and lots of different types of leaders. Um, and you mold your, I guess, your own personality based on the skill sets that you actually believe in, really. Now, when you take on new people at CodeWorks, what's your first bit of advice for them? First thing is really to see if they have a passion for doing um, what we're asking them to do. Um, I, I think anyone who comes to us already has the requisite skill set in terms of the CV. Um, and what we're really looking for is people who have that passion and have that drive. Um, we, what we found is they're always the people that, that make the difference to our clients. So I'm always looking for someone who really is able to show me that passion. Now, every day there's a young person uh, getting ready to leave school. If they were looking to pursue a career in your field, what advice would you give to them? I would say make sure you understand what it takes to be successful in that field. Um, Make sure this really is something that you want to do, um, which requires quite a bit of research around it. Um, Often what people tend to do um, when they're younger is they, they, they kind of follow their money. Banking's got lots of money. Let's go into banking. Uh, I guess it's, it's really understanding your personal profile, your personal skill set, and your personal interests, and, and actually trying to work out whether that really would suit you long term. Um, it's much harder to pivot in your career, mm-hmm. you know, ten, fifteen years down the line, rather than try and get it right in the first few years. So, so I really would say follow your heart, follow your passion, understand what that is, research quite a few different areas. Um, and that's like you can succeed and you can make money in any field. Um, it's passion that makes a difference. How true that is. Um, 
Now, you must have leaders that inspire you. Uh, what sort of leaders are they? Um, so many, really. I think I think Barack Obama, in terms of you know what he did and how he came to become the president of the U.S. Um, and how he carried himself was uh, outstanding. I felt. Um, if I look at leaders in industry, I, I look at people who are looking to try to make a difference. I particularly admire Amazon and Jeff, um, Jeff Bezos, I think his name is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and people like that, just because they're doing something incredible. They really are changing the way we do things, but they're not doing it in a way that perhaps, well, not at this stage anyway, that can be perceived as solely for, for profit. They, they like, they're looking to develop an ecosystem. They're looking to do things outside of the box and they're completely changing the way we communicate, shop, whatever it may be, undertake cloud services. So, so Amazon, I particularly uh, really, really respect as a company and what they've been trying to do. Um, so those are the kinds of leaders I like. I like people who are trying to think outside the box and are not doing it purely for commercial purposes. Now, obviously, you manage quite a few people. Now, uh, as uh, people are humans, uh, they have their uh, fallibilities, they uh, have issues with each other, um, they don't always uh, show up to work. Uh, How do you deal with issues arising uh, in your staff? Um, I I I try to focus on output. Um, so, so, so that's the key thing. I, I really try to avoid too many rules and regulations, which may be strange for someone who's been in banking for the last twenty odd years. Um, but, but th- th- there are certain things that need to be done and have to be done. How you do it, I'm, I'm a bit more flexible about. Um, <clears throat> so, if someone has a particular thing they want to 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 to, to, to do. And, and they they want to change their timeframes or whatever in terms of work. I, I, I'm very flexible about those things. Now, if someone is just not telling us where they are and just choosing to, um, you know, be absent um, and, and, you know, not responsive to an email, that, that would be something we would have to speak to them about. And I think it goes back to that, that aspect of the types of people that I employ. I'm looking for people who really are passionate and, and want to do what they're doing. Um, if not, we try to figure out why they're not passionate anymore. Um, and if we can identify that, we try to move them into a role or add aspects to their role that they may find more exciting. But if it's just really this isn't for them, then you know we, we'd have a different type of conversation. But the first step always is to try to see how we could be flexible to fit in with um, what they're trying to do and what their lifestyle is to some degree. Um, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, and secondly, if it's due to the work that people are tending to be uh, absent or, or whatever it may be, is trying to understand what is it that they're not finding passion anymore. Because when we first take them on, it's because of that passion. Um, so I would look to identify those two areas. And if those two areas don't work, we, I guess we would have a different type of conversation about whether the role is really right mm-hmm. for them. So one of the key aspects of being a leader is flexibility. Um, I guess the motivation is the biggest thing. I, I mm-hmm. think um, it, 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 it's got to be that thing that people, like I said, leading by example, people see what you're trying to do. They believe in your vision, being able to impart that vision to the team, um, and they want to be part of that vision. Um, I think that's the absolutely key for, for any leader, I think. Now, if you could speak to yourself a decade ago, what advice would you give yourself in terms of what leadership strategies to hold on to and which ones to release? 
Um, well, the ones I've described so far are obviously the ones I would hold on to. I think um, the ones that I've let go of over time is, is, is probably trying to get rid of the various the bureaucracy and things like that. Like I said, it, it, it's, it's you know um, a tick box exercise. It, it, it's kind of people aren't, I guess, I guess people don't really work that way. Um, and, and sometimes you can get to, to conversations that are not value added just because you're trying to do a text box, text box exercise. So really, it's trying to see what value people are bringing to your organisation as a whole, um, and trying to understand if overall they are they are bringing you know um, value added sort of services to your company. Um, and if it's one or two things that perhaps haven't been done, it, it's kind of really either letting them go or finding a different way of doing them. Um, but, but what do they say? Don't sweat the small stuff. I think mm. I think it's that kind of thing that I would, I would probably do. Focus on on things that are important. Don't sweat the small stuff. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does next twelve months have in store for CodeWorks? Really exciting, actually. We've got um, a bunch of companies we're working with at the moment, um, and a lot of new strategies. Um, we are working on a, 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 a separate sort of organisation called Aurora Digital. Um, and that is focusing a lot about bringing a lot more business to the UK. Um, so it's working with sort of uh, innovative emerging tech companies based primarily in, in India who we feel would have the potential to succeed very well in the UK. We work with them to develop their proposition to actually bring business to the UK. So I'm really excited about that. And we're working with about 25-odd companies at the moment. Well, Sandeep, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I do hope that you come back on the show very soon to update us on how things are going at CodeWorks. Sandeep, thank you. Thanks very much. That was Sandeep Arora, Director of CodeWorks. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, yeah. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was 
simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like uh, Ron uh, there... It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And, of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top. He's absolutely vital. For a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alfred Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he 
it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken it on in my life, my family, You've got somebody in the group who doesn't want to be part of it. You, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in... Uh, Sal, so uh, sharply. Yes, I think for for me certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that. It looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm-hmm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, 
the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and the most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, and that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did but make then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates began looking at you for leadership um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other 
people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to. Uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team, if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the, 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know, uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the, um, time. Um, looking um, back 
through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word is is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-minded, uh, single dedication, Dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. 
This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.